last talked about the Marine Corps with its role in the little-known Korean incident of 1871. For the next 30 years, the Marine Corps remained largely out of the public eye, but was involved in dozens of interventions around the world. During this time, a small number of Naval Academy graduates began commissioning not into the Navy, but into the Marines. These graduates would go on to play a significant role in the development of the Marine Corps in the 20th century, including fielding five commandants of the Marine Corps. But although the years after the Korean incident were relatively quiet, the Marine Corps was not idle and was honing its expeditionary fighting skills. These events are documented in the archives of the Naval History and Heritage Command. In one interesting anecdote, the Marine Corps temporarily joined the wildlife conservation movement. Illegal destruction of seals in the Bering Sea had reached wholesale proportions by 1892, following the purchase of Alaska from Russia. The poachers, principally British, were threatening the complete extinction of the animals. A settlement was finally reached between Great Britain and the United States, in which naval officers of each nation were authorized to arrest and detain poachers. The steamer Al Ki, with three marine officers and 40 marines on board, was sent to the troubled area, and the ruthless slaughter was soon ended. In 1898, the Marine Corps put its tactics to use extensively as it fought in the Spanish-American War, and marines were sent ashore in Cuba, Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippines. The end of the Spanish-American War established the U.S. both as a colonial and a world power. With the Philippines now under American control, military action was necessary to bring stability to the troubled island chain. Landing parties of sailors and marines came ashore at various points to quell disturbances and maintain order. Naval ships supported Army and Marine Corps operations with gunfire, provided mobility to deploy forces rapidly, and patrolled the waters of the islands to prevent supplies reaching the insurgents. It was during this time that the Marine Corps began to expand in size and was routinely sent around the world to protect American citizens afloat and ashore. As a result of the need for Marines in the Philippines, there was already a significant Navy and Marine Corps presence in Asia when the Boxer Rebellion broke out in China in 1900. Angered by forced seizures by, and commercial concessions to, the colonial European powers, Chinese anti-foreign sentiment resulted in the rapid growth of a Chinese secret society known as the Righteous Harmonious Fists, but referred to by Westerners as Boxers. The Boxers called for the expulsion of the foreign devils and their Chinese Christian converts. Anti-foreign incidents, including the burning of homes and businesses, increased dramatically in 1898 and 1899 and was virtually unchecked by Chinese authorities. Americans and Europeans in the country retreated to the collection of foreign missions at Peking, what is now Beijing, and were placed under siege by both the Chinese army and the boxers. Alone and outnumbered, a small force of multinational soldiers, aided by the civilians, held the diplomatic mission compounds for 55 days. The detachment of U.S. Marines protecting the U.S. mission helped form the core of the defense and was responsible for repelling some of the fiercest attacks. When relief finally reached the missions, the force contained large numbers of U.S. sailors and Marines 
and Marines would be deployed throughout the country in the rout of the Boxer Rebels. This event was seen as a validation of the forward deployment of Marines to the Pacific and elsewhere, and helped cement the concept of expeditionary warfare as a key tenet of the Marine Corps. Marines were also deployed during this time throughout South America in Nicaragua, Panama, Cuba, Mexico, and Haiti, and these years of combat and training would yield great dividends when the Marine Corps waded into the First World War. Battle-hardened by the past three decades of conflict throughout the world, the Marine Corps, although small, was ready for combat when the United States finally entered the Great War, unlike most American armed forces early on in the conflict. However, the Marines that entered World War I looked a little bit different than they had over the past three decades. The large number of lethal head wounds that had already been suffered from shrapnel by Allied forces in the conflict led to the development of the first combat helmets, the now iconic bowl-shaped tin can hats. Our object today is one of these Marine Corps helmets, a doughboy helmet from this time period. In World War I, the Marine Corps fought the Germans across France and was present at some of the most intense battles of the conflict. As U.S. soldiers began to arrive in Europe, the Germans launched a massive spring offensive in 1918, hoping to finally end the conflict before the Americans could arrive in force. The American Army's 2nd Division met the German advance just side of Bello, France, and took up positions near the woods on June 2, 1918. As they did so, the Marines were reportedly urged to retreat by French forces, to which Marine Captain Lloyd Williams replied, Retreat? Hell, we just got here. The Marines halted the German advance at great cost, and then, over the next two weeks, slowly advanced into the woods, taking ground inch by inch and fending off multiple German counterattacks. The Marines suffered high casualties as they advanced against the embedded German machine gun positions, but many of the Marine Corps heroes were present in this battle to help lead the charge. As the Marines entered the woods, the 73rd Machine Gun Company was led by two-time Medal of Honor winner Gunnery Sergeant Dan Daly. Daly encouraged his men forward from the front, yelling the now immortal words, Come on, you sons of bitches, do you want to live forever? The battle came to symbolize the courage and ferocity with which the Marines fought, often resorting to fists and bayonets. Early on June 26th, the Marines were finally able to report Bellow Wood, now U.S. Marine Corps entirely. The nickname Devil Dog was coined soon after the battle and was here to stay. The Marine focus on individual marksmanship and hand-to-hand -hand combat yielded significant dividends, and in taking and holding the woods against some of the best German troops, even while outnumbered, led the leader of American forces, General Pershing, to say, the deadliest weapon in the world is a Marine and his rifle, and that the Battle of Bellow Wood was for the U.S. the biggest battle since Appomattox. More than 30,000 Marines would serve in France during the war, and more than a third were killed or wounded in six months of intense fighting. Some of the Corps' most revered heroes, like Gunnery Sergeant Daly, and its most famous leaders, like John A. Lejeune, Naval Academy graduate and later 13th Commandant of the Marine Corps, led the Marines in France 
during the conflict. The battle was a huge morale booster for the beleaguered Allied forces, and both validated many of the Marine training principles, as well as cemented the Marine Corps image around the world. And now, for another look at our object today, as well as personal insight into one of the Marine Corps' most famous leaders, we go to Jim Cheevers, Senior Curator of the Naval Academy Museum. Hey, we're here in the Naval Academy Museum looking at a Doughboy's helmet from World War I. Uh, among the Doughboys, besides the two million Americans uh, we put across the Atlantic to fight that war, uh, were a large number of U.S. Marines. You know, by the Naval uh, Personnel Act of 1881, graduates of the Naval Academy could select the Marine Corps uh, for the first time. And between then and 1900, 50 midshipmen uh, selected the Marine Corps, five of whom became commandants of the Corps. Among the best known of those was uh, John A. Lejeune. Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, of course, is named for him. Uh, and uh, his name is, is highly recognizable. Uh, he became the commandant of the Marine Corps in the 1920s, particularly when they were starting to develop amphibious warfare that would become so important in the next World War. But in World War I, General Lejeune was very important too. Uh, he commanded the 2nd Infantry Division, and I had the honor of serving in that division uh, on my military service, uh, and I uh, eventually ran the museum there and developed an exhibit about a Naval Academy graduate uh, named John A. Lejeune, class of 1888. Uh, General Lejeune also designed the Indian hat patch that was worn by that division. It's still worn by that division today. It's assigned to Camp Casey, Korea. Um, and uh, General Lejeune uh, commanded uh, the division. Uh, it included one brigade of Marines at the famous battles of Chateau Tyranny and Belleau Woods in France, uh, where the Americans really proved their worth in rescuing Europe in World War I.